The world today is suffocated with words, but starved of love. The world today is suffocated with words, but starved of love. <laughs> I read those words by David Watson in a book published in 1978 over 40 years ago. Watson revealed one of the greatest ills in our world. And it still rings true today. The world today is suffocated with words, but starved of love. How did we get here? How did we get to this place that we're in? This de-evolution of love for our fellow person, this devaluing and demeaning of the image of God in each other, creating ideological enemies and combatants instead of brothers and sisters. And I know this problem isn't new. I know that this problem spans generations, millennium. It's as old as the story found in Genesis 4 of Cain and Abel. The story of brother versus brother. The story of hatred and enmity, of jealousy and rage, which led to murder. The first murder. The first moment in which the image of God was snuffed out and put asunder in this world by our hands. Chapter 4 of Genesis, the first book of our recorded collective story of humanity, starved of love. This absence of love, this void of love, this vacuum of love, it's it's ingrained in our human story. It's, it's foundational to who we are. But it's not the story that Jesus wants for us. It's not the fullness of the reality of who we truly are. You see, Jesus came to change our story. Jesus came to bring new life and possibility, a, a new way of living and of being human, a, a new way that centers around grace and forgiveness and love and and this is why we started United two years ago. In a world filled with strife and animosity, pain and turmoil and contempt for our fellow brothers and sisters, in a world starved of love, what would it look like to create a community of people who were committed no, 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 who were devoted to infusing the world around them with love. What would it look like to build a church upon an ethic of love? What would it look like? What would it look like to catalyze a people sent out into the neighborhoods around them and love deeply, faithfully, without end? What would it look like to create a church filled with radical revolutionaries that love like that. A people who were radically devoted to drinking deeply from the well of Jesus' love and, and living into and out of his ways, the, the, the ways of Jesus. This, this would be a radical love, a revolutionary love, a love that pushes boundaries of acceptability and propriety, a love that looks like Jesus unleashed upon our neighborhood. You see, this is what we have been building towards. This is what we have been devoting ourselves to creating. 
whether you recognize it or not, we can be sneaky sometimes. We are working towards not only a greater understanding, but a deeper way of living out Jesus' radical love in our midst and in our neighborhood. These past two years as a church, and, and we're only just beginning. You see, this is a love that not only takes care of one another, a love that not only reaches out in mercy, a love that goes to bat against the systems and structures that press people into a veiled submission, harming our neighbors whom we deeply love, but a love that breaks down the barriers that separate us and brings us together in unity as one. The beloved community, as Dr. King called it. And this beloved community is what Paul is telling the church in Ephesians 2 and 3 that we are all about. Paul is proclaiming in this letter that the divisions of the world, the walls and barriers that have been erected, have all been destroyed through Christ. But in the midst of the rubble, you'll find each and every one of us living into the curse of Cain, murdering our brothers and sisters by building divisions and walls and borders and separations from the rubble of Christ's victory. We are no better than Cain. We are too often devoid of the love of Christ, but, but that's not our story. It, at least it doesn't have to be. You see, all of us can come together in love. We can come together and discover peace, true peace, the peace of reconciliation, not submission the true peace of Christ that tears down walls and ends the separation of families, that ends the barriers between us, that ends the walls of division and perpetuates the pain of this world. This is our true story. This is who we truly are as a people and as a church. It's hard. It's not easy work. And what we've learned from some is that for some of you, this is just too much. For some, this invitation into the radical and revolutionary ways of Jesus is too high of a challenge. It's, it's too difficult. It's, it's too hard. For some, they believe that the enmity and hatred that runs rampant in our world is easier. It's an easier way of being, an easier way to wander through this life. They'd rather cling to enmity like Cain. They'd rather cling to hatred. They'd rather erase the image of God and their enemies instead of finding peace, reconciliation, and unity together at the table of Christ. But you? Which side do you find yourself on? Because there is no middle ground here. You are either on the side of radical love or you're on the side of enmity, hatred, pain. Which side are you on? I'd like to believe that for those of you who are here, that, that you've tasted and seen what is possible because of the radical, revolutionary love of Jesus, and that we are only just beginning. So I actually got a recommendation from someone in Illinois to like check out United. They'd heard about the church in Seattle, and so I just kind of drove there and walked in like two weeks after I got to Seattle for grad school. It was kind of crazy, within like this week, I was suddenly like touching base with various people in the community and I felt really connected ever since. It normally takes me a couple months to really um, 
like begin seeking out and feel comfortable in a church, um, especially plugged into a church. Like maybe I'll find a place where I can sit and like, I guess consume the service or like be present on a Sunday morning, but to be involved and feel a part of a community, this was probably the fastest I've ever felt like involved and plugged in. People were so intentional about including me in the community in a variety of ways. Like it wasn't like a, you can serve on a Sunday morning by like helping us set up chairs. It was like, let's do life together and go to a trivia night and now I actually know who you are. Let's sit and have hot chocolate on a rainy Seattle Thursday night for an hour and a half and then we'll get to like talking about Bible study, but it wasn't all business. It felt very, like I felt like I knew the people that I was interacting with. Uh, I knew about Safe Harbor um, pretty early on because my friends in the Bible study would often come straight from there to the Bible study. I kept having Thursday classes that kind of got in the way and I wanted to get involved, but um, I didn't really until one Thursday my classes were canceled and Jen just said, hey, come join us, like help us like prep meals. I was like, great, I'll do it. And then the quarantine hit and everything was canceled on Thursdays and the virtual stuff ended on time and I just started going every Thursday. I was like, um, yeah, I can do this every Thursday. I can participate and contribute. Or I show up to Jen's apartment around four. Um, we kind of hang out a bit, um, chop some veggies, like maybe get the place ready. Um, for people to drop off. Um, people uh, like Nicole um, and um, just various people, um, Libby, Kurt, will all come and drop food off at the apartment. Um, sometimes people will stay and help just pack about 40 boxes of food that we take over. Um, having those individual boxes is obviously important because of COVID-19. And then usually we spend time, this is like my favorite part, is we like write messages to people, like a way of still being able to communicate with them that we actually care about them and that we're not just doing this like to like drop off something like at a table, but there's still something personal about it. Something like, we hope that you're um, getting through the rainy day. Um, we're gonna get through this. We miss hanging out with you. Um, we're excited to hang out with you again. Um, You'll never walk alone. Just trying to translate some of that onto the individual boxes. Something that I haven't been a part of but have seen is how much the community um, is determined to advocate for Safe Harbor outside of just delivering meals or dropping things off, whether that's showing up to a city council meeting or talking about the value of that community to our neighborhood um, in various like public forums um, or city forums. I think it's really been great to see how we've been able to partner with Safe Harbor in that way. Uh, a few weeks ago, during the Black Lives Matter protests, some of the people at the Safe Harbor community had a really um, frank discussion with Jen about how their needs and um, concerns specifically related to class and homelessness were intersecting with this movement where they didn't know that it matched and just being able to translate our church's really strong concern for social and racial justice alongside our concern for um, class justice and, and concern for those that need housing. And just getting to see how those intersected in that conversation between Jen and some of her friends at Safe Harbor was really cool. 
in volunteering with the past, I've always tried to volunteer in a way that like um, is kind of relevant to like work that I'm already doing, whether it's in-home language teaching or um, kind of working with people like in my immediate community. And so I think working with Safe Harbor was getting to see something that my friends were really passionate about, people that they really cared about. And it's been great to begin to develop like a real like sense of caring for those same people um, and getting to like have friends in that community in the Safe Harbor community and getting to know people in that community that my friends really know and care about. Um, it's definitely made me feel closer to United. It's made me feel closer to my friends at United, um, and it's also um, really helped me grow and recognize how important consistency is, um, because United really has been consistent, and I'm so recently a part of it, and yet I can see very obviously how much that consistency has paid off. There is mercy and there is justice. And as a church, we are committed to doing both. We do mercy, we take care of the immediate needs of our brothers and sisters, the immediate needs of our non-binary family members. We reach out and we meet their needs like those in Safe Harbor, or, or how like we've supported our local businesses through our Adopt-A-Restaurant initiative, and how through that we've supported families and students and individuals in need. Or now this week, and into the future, donating bags of groceries to the Queen Anne helpline to make a difference for those who are struggling in this season of economic strife. And this season, it, it isn't going anywhere anytime soon. This economic impossibility has only gotten worse as the as the unemployment benefits have all but evaporated for millions of people in our country and, and tens of thousands within our city. The bags of groceries that we're providing are needed now more than ever. Mercy. We do mercy because of our deep abiding love. But we also do justice. We also work hard to find ways to change the system of oppression and dehumanization that press and push and separate. We show up at city council meetings physically in the past and now virtually currently <laughs> to advocate for our friends and neighbors at Safe Harbor. In fact, over two years ago, Jen was invited to be a part of the community advisory committee for Safe Harbor as a representative of our church. We advocate, we create change. We work hard to make a difference for our friends and neighbors systematically. We advocate for our friends and our neighbors of color who feel unsafe and threatened at every turn. We speak up, we speak out, we speak into these systems and structures at every opportunity that we have because of our deep abiding love. And we believe that through Jesus, things can change. Some call this foolishness, but this is really just a deep and abiding love. This, this is the art of loving deeply. This is the work that Paul is speaking about in Ephesians 3. And what I absolutely love about what Joe shared is that we don't shirk our responsibility towards relationships. People are not projects for us. We don't 
just do justice. But in the words and ways of Micah 6:8, we love mercy and we walk humbly with our God. We step into relationship. Our work as a community is informed by our relationships and, and those relationships shape our reality. Martin Buber wrote, our own reality is shaped by the relationships in which we participate. Our own reality is shaped by the relationships in which we participate. What does your reality look like? Because at United, we participate, we advocate, we do the hard work of love at every turn, at every opportunity, at every moment we can for those who have been left behind and forgotten. Because we want to. And because we believe we are called to live deeply into the ways of Jesus. This is who we have been. And this is who we will be. And this is who we are going to continue being. But it does leave me with an important question for you to ponder. What relationships are you participating in? How is your reality being shaped? Where is God pressing you to engage? Who is the Spirit nudging you to move towards? Who is Jesus showing you to love deeply? While United is only two years old as a church, you should know that this is actually a six-year project, a six-year endeavor to organize and build and now grow this organic movement from the ground up. It hasn't always been easy. There's been heartache and pain, turmoil and strife throughout. It's been difficult work to create this community that we have. But what I want you to know is that what we have is really unique. I can't tell you how many people from across the country look at our community and long to be a part of something like this. What we have is special. What we have created together is beautiful. But we still have a long way to go. We must still maintain our faithfulness to Jesus and his mission. It is this faithfulness and consistency that will mark us and, and determine how we progress into the future. This is our work and this is our future. A deep and abiding love, a work rooted deeply in the love of Jesus now and forevermore. The world today is suffocated with words, but starved of love. A truly loving fellowship will therefore act like a magnet. Nothing can substitute for love. It is the greatest thing in the world, and it is the foremost concern of the Holy Spirit to pour God's love into the hearts of his people. Without that love, we are nothing. We have nothing to offer a hungry world. The art of living is the art of loving. And how we love will change the world around us. This is our future. The love of Jesus will guide us and we will continue to make a difference like you've never seen before in a church. And for you, the people in Community of United, Allow me the honor to pray this prayer from Ephesians 3 over you all. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit 
in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.